what we do for the Lord is important, but so is why we do it for Him. And He's telling them that Ephesus, you're doing great in all these ways, but you've left your first love. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, as well as the author of Why Life Hurts and co-author of Evangelism Made Simple. This is Jim Scudder, and today on In Grace, we are going to be looking at Bible prophecy, and we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 2, Jesus' words to the Christians at Ephesus. I hope we all have their good qualities because they certainly had some incredible qualities. Jesus said, I know your works and your labor and your patience and how you, you're you doing good with uh, making sure that those that are evil are, are not influencing people and you're, you're laboring and, and you haven't fainted. And all of these things are incredible. But then he says, but, and so they had left their first love, and we have to be serving the Lord out of a motivation of love. And so this is a really, really important thing for us to get right, especially as we're getting closer and closer to the end times. We're getting closer and closer to the return of the Lord. The world is getting worse, and we're going to have a harder time dealing ministering, living the Christian life. And so we have to be very real in our Christian life, and we also make sure we are serving out of love because if we are not serving out of love, it's not sustainable. So this is Revelation chapter two. The series is called Armageddon's Dawn. It's a look at the end times and Bible prophecy. And when we start looking at Revelation, we read about the church a lot, the first three chapters, and then the church is gone. Where did the church go? Well, we're gonna explain all of that in our series. I believe it's the rapture of the church and then the beginning of the tribulation period. So all of this is coming up today and more. Let me remind you that we have a free Armageddon's Dawn prophecy chart. And all you have to do is go to our website to get that, ingraceradio.com. There you can print one out or ask us to mail you a copy. We'd love to do that. And this is our way of thanking you for listening and making sure you're prepared to know better what the Bible says about the end times. The number to call is 1-800-78-GRACE, 1-800-78-GRACE. Or again, the website is ingraceradio.com. What the Bible says about the end days is horrific. It's horrific. And if you're sitting here and you're thinking, well... If these things start to come to pass, then I'll believe. Then I'll get saved. You are stupid. <laughs> I usually don't say it that bluntly, but I'm saying it today because why would you take a chance going through this? And how do you know you're going to make it to those days? We don't know when the last day is going to be of our life. It could be tomorrow. It could be today. Do not hesitate to accept a free gift called eternal life right now. Jesus died, the Son of God. He created you. He died for you. He poured out his blood for you so you could avoid Armageddon's dawn, so you can avoid eternal hell. He rose again the third day, and he is offering to you a gift called eternal life, living with him restored forever. And that's why we preach. That's why we have church to 
thank the Lord for that, to learn more about him, to learn how to live in light of salvation that he has so wonderfully given us. Armageddon's Dawn is a series that is dealing with the end times, with prophecy, and I believe we're in the last days. I believe that we don't have a lot of time left. And you say, well, what if you're wrong? What if we have a lot of time left? Well, then, I think at least we're living the way God wants us to live. Anticipating him returning at any moment will make a difference in your life today. It will make you serve the Lord with more purpose, with more urgency. And I really believe that's why Scripture says no man knows the day or the hour because he wants us to be serving him as if he can come back today. And you say, well, people have been talking about this for years and years, and he hasn't come. Well, that's what the Bible said would happen. People would say, well, where is he? He hasn't come. Just because he hasn't come, are we saying that he's not coming? No. Here's the truth. Today is closer than it was yesterday. That's true. Now, we're talking about Revelation. We're talking about a prophecy chart. You have them, if you're in the room, the rest of you that are watching or listening. If you're listening, you're kind of out of luck. Unless you go to our website, you can get this chart. And here we have the prophecy chart featuring the timeline of history or of the future. And the history has been fulfilled. The prophecies have been fulfilled exactly as predicted. So we have great confidence that this timeline will be fulfilled exactly as it is predicted. And here we have what's called the rapture of the church. This is the next event on the prophetic calendar for the end times. There's nothing that has to take place before that happens. There are some things that we might see before that, like talk of uh, doing away with borders, talk of doing away with cash, talk of just doing away with different religions all coming together as one. And guess what we're, we're hearing in the news today? But then the rapture. What is the rapture? It's a word that you won't find in the Bible, but it's a, a term. It's a principle you will find in the Bible where the Lord comes back in the air and gathers his church. We're living in the church age. The church age, we believe, began at Pentecost and continues until the rapture. And the rapture, all of a sudden, the church is taken up by the Lord. Hopefully millions of people. I say hopefully. I'm not sure how many people are truly saved, have put their trust in Jesus Christ alone, have confidence that they're on their way to heaven. But those people, the church, the body of Christ, will be gathered and taken up. And then we have this tribulation period where the earth is going through the worst tribulation, the seal judgment, the trumpet judgment, the bull, or vile judgments, the Antichrist will be part of that. He'll break the treaty halfway through. We have a false peace to start, and then we have a terrible time upon the earth like the world has never known. I had the privilege of interviewing a prophecy teacher. His name is Mark Robinson, and I asked him about, we did a couple shows. One is about the Holocaust and why the Jews have always been persecuted throughout the centuries. You have Haman, you have Hitler, you have all the people in, in between trying to annihilate that people group. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that unusual? Why would this be? There has to be a spiritual answer to that question because no one can answer that question any other way. And I also asked him about these end times things because he knows a lot about prophecy. And he was telling me that the end times, especially near the end of the tribulation, will be worse 
for the Jews than the Holocaust. You say, well, how could it be worse for the Jews if you lived in Europe, you were probably killed. You know, millions and millions of Jewish people were killed in the Holocaust. That is a historic fact that happened. Even some people will deny that. There's even a Baptist out in Arizona. The guy is off his rocker. I'm telling you, don't get sucked up into stuff like that. Millions and millions of people died in the Holocaust. I interviewed one of the survivors. We went to the Holocaust Museum here in Skokie. I'll be going to Auschwitz. We're doing a whole episode on the Holocaust. But he said, how could it be worse than if you're in Europe in the Holocaust, you know, you probably died. It can't get worse than that. Well, he said the reason it's worse is because if you didn't live in Europe, if you lived in other places, then you weren't persecuted. You weren't going to die in the Holocaust. He said during the tribulation, it'll be like Europe everywhere. And that's not just the Jewish persecution, but there will be calamities come upon this earth that are just horrendous. It's called the tribulation. The second half is called the great tribulation. And then we continue on when Jesus comes back. This is called the second coming. He came the first time to Bethlehem as a baby. He entered into Jerusalem the first time from the Mount of Olives on a donkey. The second time, he's going to set his feet down where he went up on the Mount of Olives on a white horse. First time he came to suffer, to die. Second time he's coming to rule and to reign. Those that believe, those that have been raptured, will be coming back with him as his army, but we won't have to fight for he just opens his mouth and the word of God defeats the enemy at the battle of Armageddon and Armageddon's dawn will have been complete. And then we know that Satan's bound for a thousand years. There's a kingdom reign, a thousand year rule and reign on the earth. Jesus from the throne of David, peace and righteousness and a final rebellion. Satan will be loosed, a final rebellion against God. This will prove that Utopia cannot exist apart from God. That we are rebellious even in a perfect environment. And then we have the final doom of sinners, lake of fire, great white throne judgment, and eternity, the new heavens and the new earth. So that's the prophetic chart. But let's go back and talk about the rapture. Let's go back and talk about the church and the seven churches of Revelation. This is the second chapter of Revelation that we're going to talk about today. We're going to try to cover the whole chapter, and I've already wasted a lot of time. So you're going to, you all have to strap in, you know, put that seatbelt on, put it nice and tight. There will be turbulence <laughs> as we go. But you have here the seven churches, and that's in chapters two and three. You know what's very interesting? You have the church mentioned 19 times in the first three chapters. You don't hear about the church until near the end of Revelation again. Isn't that interesting? 19 times the first three chapters, the church, the church, the church, the church, and then no church until the marriage supper of the Lamb, until chapter 20 of Revelation. Isn't that curious? What does that tell you? It tells me the church is gone. Some people say, well, the church will be raptured halfway through. The church will be raptured at the end. No. According to scripture, and the only way it can be if God's dealing with the Jewish people, again, in particular, right now we're not Jew or Gentile, we're the church. He's going to deal with the Jewish nation. There's one last seven-year period on Daniel's prophecy. This is called the 70 weeks of Daniel. There's one week, one seven-year period left, and that is Jewish. We have to be gone before God can work again with the Jewish people. So we have the church age that we're in now. 
And we have Jesus speaking to these seven churches. And as we go through chapters two and three, this week and next time, we're gonna look at these seven churches. And I'd like for you to understand these seven churches in three different applications. The first application is the contemporary application. These were churches, remember John was on Patmos. Remember where Patmos is? It's this little island right off what's the modern nation of Turkey. So you have Patmos, okay? And he's there, he's in exile. And you have these seven churches that are in Asia Minor. John was familiar with all of these churches. He had known them. He was aware of who they are, and he was aware of them. If you want to learn more about the Bible's end-time prophecies, In Grace and Pastor Jim Scudder have great resources that will help you. First, we have a large prophecy chart that we will send you absolutely free. And when you give a gift of any amount, you'll also receive our eight-part video series, Armageddon's Dawn, filmed in Israel. This series will give you a visual experience that will transport you to the very places mentioned in Revelation. We also would like to send you Pastor Jim's entire 43-sermon audio series, Armageddon's Dawn, on CD or MP3 for gifts of $30. Don't miss out on this opportunity to enrich your understanding of biblical prophecy. Contact In Grace today at 800-78-GRACE. That's 800-78-GRACE. Visit our website at ingraceradio.com or write to InGrace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Get your free prophecy chart and unlock the secrets of the end times today. So let's look at Ephesus, chapter 2, verse 1, the careless church or the apostolic age. The careless church. Revelation 2, 1, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars. Now stop for a second. What are the seven stars? You remember the seven angels and the seven stars we said, we think are, the angels are messengers. These are the pastors of these seven churches. These are people that Jesus holds in his right hand. These are a dear people that are the under shepherds leading the church in that location. So unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, unto the pastor of the church of Ephesus, these things saith he, that is Jesus, Jesus is in the midst of us today. I truly believe that. We had better want him here. We had better want to know what he is going to tell us today. We had better be open as individuals, but as a church body, as what he's going to tell Ephesus, because I think it can apply to us who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Again, this is Jesus in the midst. Jesus is here. What are the candlesticks? What are the lampstands? These are the seven churches the light in the community that they're in. So we talk about Ephesus. Ephesus. Let's go back to the map of Ephesus. And here we have a city that I've been to. It's a beautiful place. Right on the coast. There's a big amphitheater there. The theater there, these are all Greco-Roman cities, so they all had Greco-Roman components. One of them was a theater. The theater could hold 20,000 people. They also had an amphitheater that could hold, now listen to this, 100,000 people. This is incredible. The ancients were brilliant people. If you think we've evolved, (laughs) we've devolved, if anything. We have modern accumulation of knowledge and technologies that we figured out, but man, without 
a crane, without internal combustion engines, without the silicon chip, they were able to do pretty amazing things like building an amphitheater that can hold 100,000 people. This was also a city of resorts. This is a city that the emperors would come to. And it was a city that was beautiful, a white marbled city. Alexander the Great was one that led in the construction of a great temple there, temple to Diana. Diana, this temple to Diana at Ephesus was at that time one of the great wonders of the world. It was magnificent and incredible, and you can still see the ruins of it today. But around that temple that was truly incredible was also a lot of debauchery, a lot of sin, a lot of immorality took place as part of that pagan worship. But we know that Paul spent time in Ephesus. We actually know that he spent two years in Ephesus, that those two years were some of the greatest years he spent, for in those two years, Acts 19 verse 10 tells us that all that were in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus because of the influence of the apostle Paul there in Ephesus. So this was an important church in that day, an important city in that day. And Jesus says this to that church in verse two. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how that thou canst bear them which are evil. Man, this church was doing it right. They had things lined up right. They were careful about doctrine. They wanted to make sure that the, the people that were teaching in the church were teaching from the word of God and teaching what God said. They were careful about that. They were doing the things that God would want them to do. They were working hard. In verse three, for thy name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. I mean, these people were doing it. Man, I tell you, if, if we didn't come to the verse four, I would say, I want to be like Ephesus. <laughs> By the way, we're not covering every verse in this chapter, so this is your homework to study chapter two of Revelation this week. But the work that we do for the Lord, the labor that we do for the Lord is important. You say, well, I thought you said, and you have on your wall, that it's not of works. That's true. The next verse says in Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship. In other words, we're saved by our faith, but the Lord wants us to work after we are saved. And that's not to stay saved. It's really not even to prove that we're saved. It's just because we're saved, we love the Lord. We're empowered by the Spirit of God to do good works. We're not saying good works aren't important. Good works are important. And Jesus is commending this church at Ephesus. Wow, you guys are doing great work. One person put it this way. The Christian ought to be like a good watch. All gold, open-faced, well-regulated, dependable, filled with good works. That's good. That should be our life, filled with good works. But sometimes we're working so hard, we get weary, right? But you're not getting weary of the work, right? You're getting weary in the work. Dale Moody, they said, was coming back from a campaign, and he was exhausted, and he had another campaign to come. And his family said, D.L., Dwight, don't go to this next campaign. You need to rest. And he told his family, I grow weary in the work, but not of the work. 
I talked to one of our staff pastors who is extremely wiped out and weary. I talked to him yesterday, and in his weariness, I know for sure he's weary of the work. He's wary of making sure that he ministers as God is asking him to do that, but he's not, I promise you, he's not weary of the work. He loves the work that God has given. And so the church was busy and they were working. Nevertheless, verse four, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. And you know what? This is so good because we need to be positive people. We need to be people that are encouraging each other, but we also need to be people that are willing to tell someone what they need to hear. We, not, we need to be careful that we don't have that going on in our own life. Judge not, lest you be judged, isn't saying you shouldn't judge other people. It's saying you better make sure that you're not doing the same thing first. He said, nevertheless, I have something somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. You say, wait a second. Jesus, Jesus is criticizing them correcting them because they'd left the first love, but they're doing it. They're out there. They're working for the Lord. Well, this is important to God. It's important to God. By the way, it's important to your marriage. You can be faithful and you can be pure, but labor is no substitute for love in your marriage and neither is purity a substitute for passion in your marriage. We need those things, but we also need passion, and love. That needs to be why. What we do for the Lord is important, but so is why we do it for him. And he's telling them that Ephesus, you're doing great in all these ways, but you've left your first love. What is your first love? Well, people say love is blind. Marriage is a real eye opener. I've heard this said. When I married Mr. Wright, I didn't know his first name was always. What is love? What is your first love? Well, you know what it is. And when we apply it to the context of spiritual things, I, I believe the why, why do we serve the Lord? Is because he loved us first. He saved us. So think back to that. Think back to your salvation. Think back to the wonder of it all. We'll continue talking about this tomorrow, making sure we're serving out of love as Ephesus had kind of left that. They, they were doing good. They, Jesus had so many good things to say. There's this one thing he says, and, and we need to get this one right ourselves, especially, I think the Lord's return is very soon. And I think the world will continue to get worse and it's gonna be harder for Christians to serve the Lord in this environment and so we have to stay serving out of love. And that is a key. Again, we'll pick this up tomorrow. Don't miss tomorrow's In Grace. Here as we're featuring Armageddon's Dawn, our verse-by-verse -verse look at the book of Revelation. We have a full series, 43 messages called Armageddon's Dawn. It's audio series. You can get that at our website. It's just under $30. Call us at 1-800-78-GRACE or go to the website ingraceradio.com. And on the website, you can also find out more information about our free prophecy prophecy chart, Armageddon's Dawn. It lays it all out for you in a color, and I think it will be very helpful for you, even if you don't 
get a prophecy resource from us here, just as you're listening to our program or our podcast, having this chart, I think, will be very helpful. You can print it out right there at home, or we can mail you a copy of this. Again, it's free. Call us at 1-800-78-GRACE or ingraceradio.com. Now, not only do we have the chart and the audio series, we have a video series. Now, the video series is eight parts. It's just under eight hours of great content filmed in Israel with the Temple Mount behind me most of the time. And I also filmed at Megiddo where Armageddon is going to take place. We have some great Bible prophecy teachers in the series, lots of charts and pictures. I think this will be a blessing to you when you get Armageddon's Dawn video series for your gift of any amount. Are you ready for an end times journey of biblical proportions? Get the stunning Armageddon's Dawn Prophecy Chart for free. Or give any amount and receive the incredible Armageddon's Dawn 8-part video series. Plus, you can order the 43-part audio preaching series. Contact InGrace today at 800-78-GRACE, ingraceradio.com, or write to InGrace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us 800 78 Grace or go online ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio. Radio.